You were listening to episode 261 of the Game Deflators podcast. My name is John, and I'm joined by Ryan. Hey, everybody. Here at the Game Deflators podcast, we like to talk about games. We've recently picked up games we're currently playing, and we bring back a classic in this week's Inflation Deflation Challenge. So this week we're playing a little bit of Pocky and Rocky on the Nintendo Switch. The uh, what is it? Reshrined. Reshrined. Yeah. Re-shrined. So I mean, Pocky Rocky maybe not like a super classic, but it's definitely like an old school game given new life, and we'll talk about it more later. For sure. All right. But first, you can find us on thegameinflators.com. Our currently up-to-date website i'm doing it with a question mark because i don't remember if i updated the last episode uh youtube find the game inflators on there if that's your fancy and then you can find us on instagram and facebook at the game inflators and x at game inflators also uh check out uh the podcast app you're listening to right now leave a five-star review and uh leave a five-star review on other applications too definitely would appreciate it okay let's jump into our recent pickups and what we're currently playing um I, of course, picked up Magic Cards this week. I did not pick up any other video games. I'm waiting to see Black Friday sales and what I want to grab from there. Um, really don't have my eyes set on anything in particular right now. It's more so just seeing like, oh, that's a game I've been wanting for a while. Let me go ahead and grab it because it's like $10 or 15 bucks. Yeah. That's really where my mind is at right now. Because, I mean, games go down in price all the time. Yeah. Right? And most of the ones I want go down in price. So... That's where I am right now, so I'll probably have pickups next week. We'll see. Um, I did pick up, though, a card I've been wanting for Magic for a very long time called City of Traders. And uh, normally, it's like a $250, $260 card. Dang. Picked it up for $150. Um, they said it was damaged, and uh, I was like, okay, well, what constitutes as damage? Because oftentimes damage could literally be like a signature from the artist on there and that's considered damaged and they sell it at a reduced rate because it's not as sought after i guess by some people i love signatures on cards for magic i just do so i'll buy damage cards all day long um but i contacted the guy after i bought it and i'm like hey so just want to you know is the sleeve playable and does it have any tears and he's like actually it's near mint it just happens to have a little dot of pen mark on the bottom so i considered it damaged i was like that that's it like a little pen mark on the bottom. So a near mint version of that card is like 350, 400 bucks. Dang. So Good job. definitely made out on that one. So sleep playable version. So whenever I can play a legacy tournament, that's, I only need one actually for the deck that I've been wanting to build for a long time. So uh, that works out. And I used a credit card reward money, right? The 3% cash back. So nothing out of my pocket at the end of the day. It's just 150 bucks that I just was gifted over a period of time. So Decided to use that. Um, and then as far as what I'm currently playing, we are still playing Last of Us Part 2. Uh, my wife and I are now at the part where you finish playing Abby, you go back to Ellie and you're in her house and everything and, and kind of chilling out and um, Dina bitches you out about going out again to find Abby. And then we are now in a situation where Ellie has kind of been stabbed in the side by a tree and she's gushing blood and silent killing everybody as she makes her way to try and find Abby to ultimately try and kill Abby. So she definitely shouldn't have fought that tree. She definitely should not have fought the tree. No. Uh, so that's where we're at right now with that game. Um, Tales of Symphonia. Uh, I, yeah, how's that going? So, I mean, I've been sick all week. <laughs> so uh, I've been watching my wife play Last of Us Part 2 for the most part and only picking it up whenever she's like, I need your help getting past this mm-hmm. type of thing. Um, so I got past at least that initial temple and I forget the name of the female character who is Colette. Colette, yeah. And like we meet her, her dad. Apparently, I'm going to put parentheses on that because I don't think it's her true father. Um, but we meet her dad, and uh, we go back to the town, pick up some supplies, and then I made my way to the forest, which is where I saved. And actually, no, hold on, that I actually made my way to the forest and came across like an enclosure type thing with people that were like enslaved by that outside group. The designs. The designs, yeah. And um, I can't believe I remember all this. Yeah, I don't know. You must have really been into it. Uh, So, I mean, I've only played like collectively maybe like an hour, 
and oh, okay. I, and so I've been sick obviously the whole time too. So it didn't help in terms of like trying to remember stuff. But I remember Lloyd, and I, I know that main character. Um, so that's all I got so far. Uh, but honestly, like it, it's pretty cool. Like I'm trying to learn the the attack mechanics and everything else, and and get a hang on that. But it seems pretty straightforward, and uh, I'm liking the story. A little bit of story that I've kind of picked up on so far. I do enjoy it. So mm-hmm. I'm excited for it. It's a long RPG, so. I'm not, I'm not going to really, t- I don't think I'm going to talk about it on a week to week basis as much. Um, cause it depends on how long I actually play that week. Yeah. Uh, and also, you know, given my schedule and things that are happening, it's going to be a while before I like complete this game, Yeah. but it's on the PS3. So I have access to it at all times. And if my wife wants to play whatever game on PS5, the PS3 is still kind of like my thing. So I have to swap out discs and yeah. do all of that stuff. So, and that's also part of, you know, we were, um, uh, we were chatting a little bit earlier and it just kind of crossed my mind. I didn't bring it up, but like wh- it was actually the, the portal, the uh, PlayStation portal. And uh, the re- one of the reasons I don't think I would want something like that is unless I have digital games, a lot of my games are physical. So unless it's digital based, you know, my wife's going to want to play something. If she wants to play a PS4 game or PS5 game on the console, having to swap out discs constantly because of that. And I, I see the reason for digital because of that, but you know, I don't want to like boot up, go upstairs. And then it's like, Oh, she was playing the game. Now I got to go back downstairs, swap it out, go back upstairs. Well, you where both I hang can't out. play at the same time. And we anyways. can't play at the same time anyways. Yeah. yeah. So it, it doesn't, it doesn't help me in that respect either. So it's definitely not on my radar. Something to get at that point. I'd rather just pick up my switch and play some Pocky and Rocky reshrined yeah. at that point, you know? Uh, but how about yourself? Uh, so this week, some new Game Pass stuff. I picked up Cocoon and the Phoenix Wright Trilogy, and I played and beat Cocoon already. Damn. Yeah. It's like How a, was it? It was really, really good. It's like a five, six hour puzzle game, but it is very bizarre, and it makes you have to really think uh, in a lot of weird ways. So you're this like... Insect, maybe a cicada kind of looking guy, but you basically are going around and uh, you're in this world and there's these orbs. And each of the orbs has like a special power that it kind of does. And it also is its own world. So there's an orange orb that... If you're carrying it around with you, if you come up to these certain um, spots, like you might come up to like the edge of a pathway and there's like this like looks like a start of a bridge, but there's nothing beyond it. If you're carrying the orange orb, this like orange light bridge will like start appearing and then you can follow that to go to like some other place. But there are these like domes. That if you put the orb on like this like uh, activator node outside, there's all these nodes around that you can like drop the orbs down. It'll open up the dome and inside will be a circle with another receptacle for the orb. You put the orb down in there, then it opens up like a portal where you can jump into that orb. So inside of that orange orb is a whole desert world. Hmm. And so as you're going through solving puzzles, you're like, moving orbs around, diving into orbs, diving out of other orbs in certain areas and like moving them and stacking them inside of each other. And like, it's very weird and it really makes you have to do a lot of lateral thinking and try to like take in your surroundings. Uh, It has a lot of really good cues. Like you'll be trying to solve a puzzle for like a few minutes and then you finally are like, okay, well what if I grab this orb and go over here And then the music will just kind of have like a little bit of a trill that just kind of lets you know you're kind of in the right direction. Then as you kind of start doing more stuff, the music kind of gives you a little more like enthusiasm. So that's kind of like a cool hint system I I liked a lot because it's not telling you anything explicitly. It's just letting you know that you're kind of in the right direction with what you're doing finally. Yeah, I like that. That's actually, I mean, considering we're playing Last of Us Part 2 and... You know, whenever it's like, oh, hey, we got to go in this direction. And you're just like, where? I don't see it. It's like, hold down L3 to look. And it literally just turns the camera in the direction you got to go. Yeah. But it was really fun. I mean, it's pretty light and quick. Um, 
I really enjoyed it. It's by the creators of Inside and Limbo. I played Limbo, but I've never played Inside. I played both, and uh, I really enjoyed them. Yeah, so super good. Super highly recommend. Um, it's going to be on the uh, nominations for Game of the Year in some categories, so we'll be talking about that a little bit today. Mm-hmm. Um, I've also been playing some Backpack Battles. Game just keeps getting more and more updates in its demo version, and I keep getting more and more interested. I was just playing a bit earlier with a friend, and there is like a whole slew of changes they made today. So I'm going to keep doing that. No uh, Pikmin. No Pikmin. No Pikmin yet. I, I will get to Pikmin soon enough. So, you literally have like a month and a half left. Yeah, this is usually when I start to get serious about it, John. Oh, God. I am so happy you did not play like a full-blown like 30-hour RPG. Oh, me too. Oh, man. That would have been rough. So uh, while we're talking about you know the end of the year and stuff that we should be thankful for, uh, John really was enthusiastic about talking about his favorite Thanksgiving desserts. No, no, our Thanksgiving desserts that we enjoy. I mean, it's just quick discussion, you know. We gotta, we gotta talk life too. We can't just always talk video games. So, um, games are life, John. They, they are life. But you know what? Honestly, pumpkin pie. Yeah, pumpkin pie is life. So I am huge on pumpkin pie. I don't know if I've said this on the podcast before. I probably have, but I have pumpkin pie every year instead of cake for my birthday. Uh, I love me some pumpkin pie, and I almost bought one last night. I was at the store. I was looking at it. It was looking at me, and I was like, a few more days, friend. Dude, those $6 Costco pumpkin pies that are just, like, gigantic. Biggest, yeah. Oh, my God. And the flavor is actually pretty decent. Like, yeah. For me, with pumpkin pie, like, I like it more on a sweeter side and less of, like, you know, I guess the nutmeg or whatever other people See, like to add to it or allspice. I would like to have one that's, like, real spicy. I would like a pumpkin pie with, like, some cayenne in it. I bet that would be sick. I'll make you one at some point. Um, I actually make a pretty good pumpkin pie. Uh, but I do like it on the sweeter side. Uh, for Like, I use condensed milk and other things in mine. I, I really enjoy it. But... I think beyond that, though, I definitely like cheesecake. And that's always the great debate. Is it a cake or is it a pie at that point? Or or what the hell is it, right? It's just a lump of cheese and milk and other stuff. So I think cheesecake is definitely called a cake, but not a cake. Because I'm pretty sure cake has to have, like, flour. I don't know if that's, like, And the, also a it has rule. a distinct crust. Because there is flourless cake. Yeah, that's true. But it's trying to imitate something that has flour. Well, you know what? No, it's got like some graham crackers on the bottom for the crust. So technically speaking, in terms of a crust, it does have flour. But then that brings up a whole debate on what pie is. I would say I would definitely say cheesecake is more of like if you're comparing it to it's a crust with a filling. That's a pie. Pie is a crust with a filling. Yeah, but the crust goes along the sides and cheesecake doesn't go along the sides. Sometimes it does. It can. It's not a rule. That's true. I've never seen it like that, though. To me, it'd be really crumbly to do that. But yeah, so, um, you know, Problem? Beyond, it's, I guess when you're cutting, it, it's just messy at that point. Uh, pumpkin cheesecake's good. I think that's something up your alley because it's basically pumpkin pie cheesecake. Uh, but another one I, I definitely really enjoy is, um, it's like a cho- like a Swiss chocolate pie, you know, during this time of year. You know Swiss what those chocolate are, right? Pie? Yeah. You basically take like chocolate pudding and you mix it up with like Cool Whip and you set it into like a graham cracker crust and you let that kind of set and then you throw more Cool Whip and chocolate chip on top of that. Like a French silk pie? Kind yeah, of like a French silk pie okay, type of yeah, deal. Yeah. yeah, See, I don't associate any of that kind of stuff with... That's more Christmas to me. Yeah, though. like I know, you know, pumpkin pie. Pecan pie. Pecan pie. My mom, she used to do what I think is better. Like, I think the ratio for pecan pie is off. I think there's too much of that sugar jelly. It's got to be more pecans. Yeah, so what's really good is you could make little tarts in like... Mm-hmm. You know, a little, uh, not as big as like a, a muffin tin, yeah, but like a mini muffin tin maybe or something. And it's just got so much more crust to jelly ratio. So it's funny. The jelly is actually like corn syrup. Yeah. It's, it's just like pure all it sugar. is. Yeah. It's just pure sugar. But with the pecans themselves, uh, God, I really hope like our UK friends are listening to us right now. Um, so yeah, with the pecans, I like to like completely top the bottom. Like the ratio is not like what you're saying. Like most places you get it, it's like this thing of jelly on the bottom and it's like pecans floating on the top. Like mm-hmm. when I make it, it's just straight like top to bottom and then it's kind of intertwined. So it's more like a pecan bar when you eat it. Okay. But mixing that with chocolate, dude, 
Oh, man. Uh, chocolate pecan pie is oh, something yeah. that I hear people talk about, but I don't think I've ever really tried because it just sounds like so much. No, dude. It is perfect. It's amazing. So definitely uh, one of my favorites as well. But uh, comments and let us know what your favorites are uh, during this time of year. And, I'm definitely uh, gonna try to make a spicy pumpkin pie. Are you really gonna? Are you looking it up right now? Oh yeah. <laughs> so he's been on his iPad as we're talking on this subject, and I'm like, he's got to be doing something with pumpkin it pie. It sounds good. Yeah. Anything else on our subject of Thanksgiving desserts? Um, Thanksgiving desserts beyond pumpkin pie. For beyond you. pumpkin pie and pecan pie. I mean, if there's any leftover Halloween candy. I don't know how you feel about like I think apple pie apple pie could belong, uh, and whenever apple pie is present, there will be um, ice cream. Yeah. Traditionally, I don't take ice cream with my pumpkin pie. Generally, whipped cream though. How much whipped cream? Like, are you one of the people who's like, let me put like a dollop of whipped cream on this, or are you one of those people who's like, let it snow and you just bury it in a mound of whipped cream? I'm a person number two you're a <laughs> and it's not let the blizzard out and it's not to take away the flavor of the pumpkin pie because i actually like could just chow down to some pumpkin pie without it it's because i just love whipped cream that much <laughs> so i'm like i can get both it's two desserts in one. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah 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 i think um what else could be like I mean, I guess any kind of pie, really. Those are really like the top three, in my opinion, like pumpkin, apple, and pecan. Okay, and then, what about this? This is something I've always heard about that I've always really wanted to try. Uh, they say that you take a, an apple pie and then bake it with like cheddar cheese on top. No, who the hell? I don't know who invented that. That's some crazy okay, people. Okay, but like, have you ever had like cheese and apples on like a charcuterie board? I actually do not dip my apples or add my cheese to my apples. No. Well, hold on. No, no, I don't actually. The only thing I do is I'll have like the cracker and like some jam and then I'll chase it with cheese. Normally is how I do it. Mm. But I don't put it together. Okay. I'll do onion jam and stuff with cheese, like savory and savory. But I'm not a big fan of like the salty sweet when it comes to cheese in particular. What about like a PB&J burger? I mean, that's a little different. With cheese. I mean, that's like, with bacon and cheese. Okay, that's a little different. That's different. <laughs> that's not Thanksgiving anymore, baby. No, that's not. That's beyond. That's There's places I know that have a good PB&J burger with some, uh, with some bacon on top. God, yeah. that's just a heart attack waiting to happen. Yeah. I, You know, I've got one other thing here that we can pivot to that you will be thankful for as well, John. Oh. Oh. I'm in Wano. You are in the Wano arc. He, you're reading Wano. the the manga. All right. All right. Yeah. I actually I watched uh, a couple episodes while I was doing some laundry the other day. Oh really? Just to see what it looked like and hear some of the voices. Um, for Wano in particular. Yeah. Yeah. Just to kind of get used to some people. But you should just skip like all of the arc of like Whole Cake Island because you've already read it. And just straight up watch the anime for Wano. You will not be disappointed. I guarantee you. I mean, it's just gonna take so much longer. Yeah, well, do you know how much longer it would take for me to watch 200 episodes? Yeah, do you know how much longer it would take for me to watch, you know, like 400 minutes? Well, at least watch the fights. Like, when you get to fights in the manga, like, pick up the fights, you know, when they start doing the fighting scenes, like, in the very tail end, like, episode 1050. Like, do yourself a favor and watch, like, the last 40 episodes. I'll watch some, like, highlight stuff, maybe. But, yeah, I'm just... I want to cruise along through and get caught up. And then if I ever want to go back and rewatch stuff, I can. I actually picked up the manga the other day, too. And I'm on uh, Egghead Island. That's okay. where I'm at. So... Yeah. So, I am at the point where... Um, uh, Zolo just got stabbed by that guy while he was uh, defending the little laughing girl. Oh, okay. girl from the guy with the scythes, the assassin. Yeah. So that just happened. And Luffy is training in the ring with the, uh, what's his name? Old man Hyo, the flower guy. Yeah. yeah. Of the, the, um, he's basically like the old Yakuza of the yeah. area. Yeah. So that's, that's where I'm at so far. So good. I am really, uh, Happy to be back invested in One Piece and trying to cruise along through it and get caught up because I know you and Zach have been bugging me for like 
eight months now probably dude the wano arc is so good yeah. like you pick like and you picked a good time to get back into it because it just finished mm-hmm. at least on the anime side it just finished but it's been several months since they ended on the manga yeah i should be able to catch up hopefully in a few months and be current again dude what's insane is i've like, never been current i don't know why i said again <laughs> what yeah it's true what's insane though is like just thinking about like when i watched the damn anime i watched 20 years of anime in the span of like five months yeah it is insane how much anime I watched. And now you don't have any time. <laughs> no, now I have no time. So it's great that I did it then because now it's like there's been occasion. Like I just caught up on three episodes the other day. Like I have Funimation, so mm-hmm. which is probably a waste of money for me to have the Funimation app. But I have the Funimation app and I just kind of watch the episodes on there when they come along. Um, in fact, I got to watch this week's episode still. I haven't done that yet. But yeah, that's awesome. I'm happy that you're in it. So let me know when you get to uh, certain sections of uh, fights and whatnot. And, uh, yeah. I'll let you know once I start learning more about the pony glyphs. That's what Zach always wants to talk about. The pony glyphs? Yeah, but I don't know anything yet. Uh, you know what? Wano doesn't... So, it would technically be episode, like, 1082 or 1081 is where they talk more pony glyph in Wano. Oh, okay. They really, like, in Wano... Not that they neglected the pony glyphs. They did have, like, certain things that happen with pony they're glyphs. just doing other stuff but yeah they're doing a lot of other stuff there's a lot of other fights that are going on they're just now kind of getting back to it and then like as fast as it got back to it they're away from it again so mm-hmm. it's interesting like there hasn't been a crazy amount of emphasis whereas like when you're on like fishman island and then the whole thing of whole cake island and the reasoning for going there and how you're on uh what is it zoe right when you're on zoe and, and doing that whole deal um they're all like pony glyph and road pony glyph and all this other stuff. And they just kind of like nix it all of a sudden. Um, but yeah, I'm excited. Uh, and actually now I think about it in the episode that I was watching on the anime, they do kind of reference like one piece again and like, you know, what's happening with it. Uh, so you'll, you'll see when you get there. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure I'm missing. I think somewhere coming up is like a big flashback of like, Rogers crew and stuff. Oh, with because um, I know I've seen a lot of imagery of that that I don't think I've ever read with Odin. Probably. Yeah, yeah. You'll you'll see it. That's actually really cool. That whole thing. All right. All right. Well, uh, let's jump into a little summary of what we're talking about today. Yeah. So this week uh, it is time for the game awards. Well, not this week, but coming up soon. Uh, so we're going to take a look at some nominees, make some of our own predictions, and just kind of talk about uh, some stuff surrounding the game awards. Like, can you buy your way into uh, winning awards? Uh, well, Tencent uh, might have a way to do that. Yeah. And then uh, <laughs> I think it's about time we get a remastered category because, believe it or not, Last of Us 2 Remastered coming at you. Oh, so we'll go ahead and go over all that this week and then round it all off with that Pocky and Rocky Reese-Rind uh, inflation deflation. All right. Well, the first thing here is the Game Awards 2023 nominations are out. So this is uh, Todd Spangler at Variety. And uh, I mean, I think we can go through the list of like what we mark down and just kind of say what we think it's going to be versus going through all of the different nominations, right? Yeah. So we'll just kind of look at some of the categories yeah. and talk about what we think is, you know, our nominee or... And I'm doing Maybe the likely winner. And we're changing up a little bit this year because in the past we've kind of given our predictions, but we haven't really like referred back to them oftentimes. So, uh, you know, I got a list here where we kind of marked it up and I'll just go real quick. So game of the year, I selected Baldur's Gate three. You selected Zelda tears of the kingdom. So do you want to kind of talk about some of the yeah, things yeah. that yeah, we, we go can. through? Yeah. So like game of the year nominees this year, uh, lots of great games. I mean, this is going to go down as one of like the best years in gaming history. Uh, cause we just got so many stellar rated games, but there's also, you know, some controversy this year cause Starfield not on this list, not, not on game of the year, which list. is hilarious to be honest. I, I think it's apt though. I mean, really, I mean, I played, you know, 14, 15 hours of Starfield probably and bounced off of it. And I know a lot of people who haven't even made it that far. So, I think, while I would love for Tears of the Kingdom to win, honestly, I really do think that Baldur's Gate is probably going to wind up taking it. Yeah, I think so, too. Uh, Best game direction. I put Spider-Man, too, because, you know, I can't see Spider-Man getting snubbed, uh, you know, in every category. No, I know. And that's the thing. Like, 
great games are gonna get snubbed this year. Um, I put Tears of the Kingdom down for this one too. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. This is my favorite category, actually. Uh, best adaptations. I'm actually gonna go real quick on these: uh, Castlevania Nocturne, uh, Gran Turismo, Last of Us, the Super Mario Bros. movie, and Twisted Metal. I put Last of Us. Yeah, Last of Us is the best video game adaptation ever done, pretty much. And I think this is a category that's going to get a lot more heated as we go through. Like, I really heard a lot of good things about the Castlevania Netflix series. Oh, it's fantastic. Yeah, so I want to go back and watch those. I know some people who are, you know, tangentially into gaming. You know, people who get like a couple games a year who saw the Gran Turismo movie and really liked it. I mean, the Super Mario Bros. movie was huge, and now that we've got... You know, the announcement, we haven't even talked about the Zelda movie announcement on no. here, have we? Yeah, no, we haven't. And, and there's just tons of adaptations coming down the pipe. So it, it's just a really cool time. And they're to be getting better and better, too. Yeah. Uh, best narrative, um, I put down Spider-Man 2. I got to go with Baldur's Gate for this one, especially just because there is so much choice. Like, the narrative is such a a part of the storytelling and it can be so different for so many people so i think i got to give it up to them for that yeah for best art direction for me it i mean it's a toss-up on several in fact the one that you selected is probably what i think will win um, Hi-Fi? yeah you chose hi-fi rush but i am going with zelda on this one even though it's basically the same game yeah, that's the thing I keep leaning on is like Zelda looks so great and there's absolutely nothing wrong with it, but it still just looks so much like the last one. Yeah. That I think Hi-Fi Rush's like cel-shaded aesthetic is so my alley. But it's Zelda. So that's that's like at the end of the day it's like is that the reasoning it wins and it's it's likely that it could win because of that. But I agree. I think Hi-Fi Rush should win. I really like the look of Mario Wonder. I, I think Mario Wonder looks good and is a great refresh for the Mario series. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it, I don't think it stands a chance, really, against some of those other competitors. Yeah. Uh, best score in music, uh, Final Fantasy sixteen, And then you chose Hi-Fi Rush. I mean, just because it is like a musical game. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've always loved the Final Fantasy uh, composer. Uh, work in general for their their games and it's just another one that's like you know it's always quality when it comes to the the music behind final fantasy and so Mm -hmm. i i think that it takes it again uh best audio design we both chose hi-fi rush uh best performance i i didn't have anything here so let's let's skip that one in uh, innovation accessibility just because i didn't select anything on those but um i know you've got final fantasy 16 and you've got uh, spider-man on those too um, games for impact. So this one, I, I wasn't a hundred percent sure. Maybe I should have looked at like what the category was specifically stating. Um, but I put Chia and you put goodbye volcano high. Yeah. yeah these goodbye, are supposed volcano to be high. like, I guess story driven, like narratives. Yeah. Something to that effect. Yeah. I mean, well, in that case, goodbye volcano probably is going to win that, but I don't still, know. I don't it's know. It's just the one that I remember. It was like, teenage dinosaurs going through high school kids stuff i'm like yeah. you know what nobody's ever made a game like that before so they deserve a win for something for something right uh best ongoing game i think it takes it again i think final fantasy 14 is going to win that category yeah probably uh best community support again we both chose final fantasy 14 i mean it's been going on for years and i mean you don't have a game that goes on for years without good community support well and i think you get like 300 hours of it for free which is insane. Before you even get to the good part. <laughs> That's crazy. Um, best independent game. Uh, I chose Sea of Stars. You chose Cocoon, which I think you're biased because you just played it. So, I mean, I I really like Dredge a lot too this year. That was a big hit for me. Uh, but yeah, just Cocoon, like especially just because I'm so fresh off of it. I mean, I just haven't really had to think about that in a game in a while. And it was really really impressive i thought yeah uh best debut indie game we both agree dredge on that one yeah uh best mobile game we both put honkai star rail um you know looking at everything else on the list i i just don't think anything else will come close in terms of the amount of people playing that uh best vr and uh, ar game Uh, i put down grand turismo 7 you put down resident evil village vr mode again bias it's it's resident evil yeah yeah uh best action game uh, I think Hi-Fi Rush takes it, but you put Armor Core 6. Yeah, I just think that 
you know, they were able to bring so many more people into an already, you know, sixth generation version of a game that really never made it that big over here before. And I, I was watching uh, Vadi put out another video talking about it. And I think that, you know, really having Arbor Core back in their pipeline of stuff that they can produce, that way they can do a Souls-like game. And it doesn't have to be like, okay, do a Dark Souls, do a non-Dark Souls, do a Dark Souls. But, you know, they can kind of have that rotation of something Souls-like, maybe Elden Ring, maybe a Bloodborne 2, and then an Armored Core. And they can kind of shift back and forth between those two modes. I don't know, man. I, I love me some Souls-born Sekido games, so I'm a little biased there myself. Um, best action adventure game, so I don't think it takes game of the year, but I do think it takes its category, and that's Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. And, yeah. Uh, you also chose that one. Best RPG, we both agree, Baldur's Gate. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, there's no way that doesn't win. Game of the Year or Best RPG. Uh, best fighting game, uh, I was torn, man. I was between Street Fighter VI, which is what you picked, and Mortal Kombat. I think, ultimately, like, the whole refresh and reboot of it and just how how it plays, I think that ultimately is going to take it. Uh, yeah. You know, versus Street Fighter VI. But Street Fighter Six did add a lot to it this year between, you know, they the really tried to component. open it up and make it yeah. more accessible for people too. That to me is a toss up, to be honest. Um, best family game, Super Mario Bros. Wonder. Super I, Mario. I don't see how that doesn't win. Uh, best sim strategy game. I chose Advance Wars one and two. Uh, you chose Fire Emblem Engage. Uh, best sports racing, you chose, <laughs> I think you were doing a screw around, but you chose Hot Wheels Unleashed 2 Turbocharged. Yes. Uh, I chose Forza Motorsport. <laughs> I think I'm going to get that one. Um, best multiplayer presented by Discord, Baldur's Gate 3. We both selected that. Although I think Diablo could take that. So we'll see. Maybe. And then, Probably not. And the last category we're going to take our um, guesses on here is most anticipated game. Uh, you put Hades 2. I put Final Fantasy 7 Rebirth. Yeah, and I think that that one will definitely win. I just, I'm more excited for Hades 2, but I, I don't think anything's going to stop that Final Fantasy 7 hype train. No. No, I think Final Fantasy 7 is going to take that for sure, dude. So that's kind of like our picks and uh, some of the different nominees for most of the different categories, but there's a lot of weird stuff kind of going on with the Game Awards this year. One thing that I think is probably... First and foremost of everybody's mind, will Jeff finally get some good stage security? <laughs> Are we going to have another kid try to come up on stage and say goofy stuff so and just get away with it again? That kid, by the way, I've seen him on YouTube. Oh, yeah? Actually, yeah. So I don't know how much of that was staged versus, you know, like a legit situation. No, all that actually happened. So, but I've seen him several times commenting, like, I forget what it is, but I'll, I'll have to look it up. It's more political stuff, actually, but he like, he's talk just some weird guy. Yeah. But like, it's just interesting. Like I've seen him several times, actually. Um, I don't know the name, but he, he is on YouTube. He's been on a number of podcasts that I've seen, like, you know, where he talks about certain subject matter regarding like politics and women and other stuff. So, and he's got weird takes in general, so it was just interesting to see, like, it was one of those situations where as I was kind of going, scrolling through my feed, I saw his face. I'm like, why does he look familiar? Yeah. And then it triggered back to what happened. So, yeah. But you go ahead and kick this one off. Yeah. So we've got, um, what's going on with indies at the Game Awards? This is by Stacy Henley at The Gamer. Um, obviously, game categories are not perfect. I feel like. You know, especially in the game industry, we have so many terms that carry way too much baggage and don't really convey the message well. I mean, Souls like Metroidvania, Doom clone, like, what do these things really mean? We know what they mean, but like, you know, when it comes to gathering things together, like we were just looking at games with impact as a category. Uh, but this one gets to the heart of Dave the Diver. Dave the Diver is a great-looking game. I've never played it, but it's like a fun game where you go diving in the ocean during the day and hunt fish, and then at night you run a sushi bar. And it's got like a few different like mini-games and stuff going on. Classic kind of like 
you know, indie game where you're killing time over here to do something so that you can kill time over here later doing something else. Uh, it's got that, you know, fun kind of pixely art style that everybody loves. So totally fits into Corey indie category, except it is owned by Nexon, which is like a billion dollar corporation. So what is indie? Like this game has all the spirit and feel, feel of an indie game, but it's owned by this giant corporation. And then on the other hand, you've got Baldur's Gate 3, totally independently published, released game by Larian, but they're not getting indie game of the year not because it's like the most intense 3D RPG ever made based on Dungeons and Dragons and everybody thinks it's just like going to be a generationally defining hit. Yeah, I mean, and it kind of goes, we talked about this like several years ago where like EA has EA Indies or whatever it is, right? Or these EA projects and they back um, these small indie developers to put out their game and then they get like a cut, right? So mm -hmm. when you think about the financial aspects of that too, like some of those indie games that are being released are being backed by major corporations too. Um, you know, I, I get it. Um, I guess it depends on who's working on it, right? Is it a major studio that worked on Dave the Diver? Or is it like two or three so guys? It's Mint Rocket. It's a subsidiary and it's their first game. So that studio is owned by Nexon as a subsidiary. This is their first game, but I, I mean, they didn't, pay to publish it and stuff themselves yeah they had a bankroll for that yeah i mean but i i don't think it takes away from the heart of it though i think it's still considered an indie in the respect of it's a small development development crew it's you know it's not like this triple a game yeah there's money that's been put behind it to kind of help these guys in developing it but i don't i don't think that takes away from like the heart and soul of what the game is like just because somebody's giving you money to do it i don't think that kind of deteriorates the aspect that it's an indie right so like our friend rue and the work that he does if a big developer came behind and said hey we're gonna pay you x amount of money to work on these games and we're gonna help you release them and everything else and get them in the market does that take away the fact that he's an indie developer i don't think so i think it just kind of it's somebody pushing to get his product into market well and like arguably like Annapurna and Devolver Digital, I mean, they've made it so successful by finding these really good indie devs and helping them publish their games. Yeah. And there's another level, too, where, like, when you take a look at music, as they cite in the article, you know, there's an indie genre of music, but it's not about independent production. It's just about the sound, the yeah. vibe. And yeah. I think games we get a lot more of the vibe from the name than necessarily what the name conveys like when you're talking about a roguelike or a roguelite i mean you get pretty much the image whichever one you say and then you have to like be nitpicky about the details but i mean there's music on the edge of every genre that might sound more this way or that way or maybe they have a song that just fits with this or that so does the whole album fit into that category of music then i don't know We've is got... that artist that type of artist because they use that type of sound in one song i mean music we use for our intro and outro is an indie musician yeah so, so yeah. there's uh lots of different ways to look at this and you know this time of year when we're all getting ready and we're all categorizing everything down is another time to take a look and rehash the same problem that we have every couple of years when people are like, why are they all Souls-like? Why are they all Metroidvanias? Why don't we come up with better names? Yeah, I mean, it would be cool to have like an indie-specific uh, event too where it's just like it covers only indies. Like that'd be pretty well, I'm badass. sure there's indie awards. Yeah, I'm sure there are. Um, well, uh, talking about getting backed by, you know, billion dollar companies, uh, 10 cents pursuit of foreign gaming assets is racking up acclaim. Uh, so this is, uh, Zepping Wong at Bloomberg and, uh, essentially it's talking about how 10 cents has been quietly in a way. Um, so on a global aspect, so we'll give a couple frames here in China, Tencent is very open about themselves as an organization, billboards and everything else out there to kind of promote Tencent. But on a global basis, they don't do so as much, but what they are doing is they're quietly acquiring portions of companies in the gaming space. So, uh, for example, when, um, I'm forgetting the name of the game offhand, but some of the more recent games have been released. They're actually 
pulling in like, you know, 5% stake in these companies, 30% stake in other developers. So, you know, they're kind of buying their way into making additional money without having to take on like full-blown ownership of these companies. Yeah. So like in this instance, they're talking about um, they've got money in both Larian and Remedy. So come Game of the Year award, you know, Alan Wake 2 or Baldur's Gate 3, it's a win for Tencent either way. Yeah. And, you know, Tencent is giant. Uh, most people know them as the owners of Riot and League of Legends. They actually have a stake, and I think it's uh, from software as well, if I recall. Yeah, they've got money kind of building up in all kinds of different places, but they're definitely doing it in a smarter way than something like Embracer Group, where they were just buying up studios, and now that they've had a deal collapse and fall through, you know, they're taking all this huge hit, so... Well, even like Microsoft, like Microsoft is buying like, you know, full blown like studios and developers and everything else like Tencent's smart in that respect. Right. So let's just say hypothetically that Tencent decided they wanted to own a stake in EA down the road mm-hmm. and EA gets acquired by like Microsoft or Sony. You know, Tencent now has a stake in that. Right. They have a say in what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, now, obviously, they wouldn't be like a majority owner at that point. That would be whoever acquires them. But they are getting a pretty decent sized stake in, in a lot of these companies. And, um, you know, they, they can have a say, which and is been pretty interesting for a long time. Yeah. And they're going to keep growing. I mean, there's so many different uh, League of Legends centered properties that are in development or just coming out. Like, I think there was like a some new new game just came out. I know that there's a fighting game and they've got a shooter also, I think. Uh, but, yeah, all these games kind of centered in their league of legends universe just keep building up you know intrigue for their titles and then they're turning that money into you know getting some goodwill and inroads in some other titles and at the end of the day it's just going to be a lot of more money and outreach for tencent yeah i agree well uh outreach and more money and everything else so let's talk about some last of us part two as we're uh you know grabbing at you know, more money. So Last of Us Part Two Remastered is coming to PS5 on January 19, 2024. This Who is, asked for this? Nobody did. Who this asked for Jonathan this? Jonathan Dornbush at PlayStation Blog. So nobody asked for it. Uh, the game just came out, and I was actually looking at images of this. They're almost identical. And, I mean, you're talking a late-stage PlayStation 4 game, which is on the, made for the PS4 Pro, getting upscaled to what we're playing on the PS5, right? And so now you've got this PS5 update. I guess you have, like, your ray tracing and other things that come into effect, but, like, I mean, the game looks beautiful regardless. Like, my wife, when we were both playing, she's like, wow, this is fantastic. Like, this is great graphics. She wouldn't know a difference if it was a PS5 or PS4 game based on that alone. Um, You know, I'm sure that, you know, if I booted up the PS5 and she started playing, wouldn't even notice a difference. Why is it coming out now? I don't know. Why is it coming out in January 2024? Why don't they time this? Like, it's going to be more than a year until we get the next Last of Us season for HBO. Yeah. Why wouldn't they time it out to be closer to then? Like, maybe. I I, I don't know. Like, it it would make sense to do that. This, to me, is just a waste. Like, I, I think I've heard that it's like a $10 upgrade or something like that. If you already own it, if or seventy dollars brand new, or seventy dollars brand new, so ten dollar upgrade if you already own it, and then, uh, but I don't know if that's digital or physical. Like I don't know how that would work. Oh, it's only digital. It, yeah, that's what I figured. It would have to be only digital. Um, so ten dollar upgrade if you've got it digitally, and there's apparently some new content that's added to it. But is that enough to be like, hey, seventy bucks if you already bought it on PS4? Not right now. Like the thing is, I know that the Last of Us factions got like major delayed. So maybe this is just a time-wise thing. Like maybe because of what's going on on that side, this kind of just caught some extra wind and is moving forward sooner or something. But either way, I'm just kind of... I'm not the biggest Last of Us person. Like I'm really in for season two of the show. Um, But I want Naughty Dog to stop remaking The Last of Us because it feels like... They've been remaking The Last of Us stuff for a while now. Yeah, I mean... Uncharted's in the past. Like, let's get another new groundbreaking IP out of Naughty Dog because I think that I'm through The Last of Us at this point. Yeah, I agree. I'm kind of done with that. And, I mean, you got Spider-Man and all... Or, no, Spider-Man's Insomniac. But, I mean, like, in terms of groundbreaking IPs coming out from, like, that side of the house... 
I don't know. There hasn't been a ton, right? Yeah. So we'll see. All right. Inflation, deflation for the week. Pocky and Rocky reshwined reshwined on the Switch. This is uh, developed by Tengo Project, published by Natsumi Atari Inc. And uh, Natsumi Inc. Incorporated, or Incorporated, yeah. Uh, Released in June 2022. It is a scrolling shooter. Reception is around a 7 out of 9. I don't see a synopsis. Did you have one pulled up? Uh, So... I mean, I didn't really look up the synopsis of it. I mean, you're uh, a shrine maiden and a raccoon, and you are trying to fight all of these, like, classic Japanese yokai monsters through beautiful, uh, you know, pixel art uh, Japan. This was an old game for the Super Nintendo. It's been totally remade here. For a new generation, it's got a bunch of extra characters and a whole bunch of new content in it, and it was incredible. It was yeah. great. I've seen this game for years. Uh, some YouTuber, I think it was Pro Jared or somebody, did a video for it a long time ago that I really enjoyed, and it was always a game I wanted to play. And seeing uh, the new version of it, it definitely makes me want to get this game at some point. I mean, you just picked this game up for like twelve bucks or something, right? It's still twelve bucks. Yeah, might be worth grabbing if i were you yeah it's on amazon it's a super fun game uh i love this type of you know japanese culture and era and just the look and feel and sound of all of it like this is so much uh that craving for other people's nostalgia you know yeah like I, i love that and i would love to play more of these games i know that there's um a lot of cool stuff like once you get really good at it you could just like blast through these levels and some of the characters have some like really cool like attacks and animations and stuff uh, i think the amount of love that went into this remaster and just uh they used a lot of the original people that worked on that is what i was reading i it was hard to find some information on this it doesn't even have its own wiki page it's just a little paragraph tacked into the original pocky and rocky wiki yeah well, uh, I agree with everything you said. I think that graphically for me, it, it was an absolutely beautiful game, uh, given what we're actually playing, right, um, in terms of that. Uh, I thought it was fantastic. I thought that the game controlled smoothly. Um, you know, the power-ups and things that you get, it, it's very um, generous. Like, every time you finish beating a group of characters, you get a power-up, right? Yeah. Uh, and when you get hit, you drop your power up, but then you can pick it right back up. I've yeah. never seen that in like a bullet hell shooter. Yeah, no, for sure. So like that was cool. And then finding like the little guys in the corner where you can get like an extra life mm-hmm. and get your power back up and lives and all that. Uh, I thought that was pretty cool too. So, um, you know, uh, the music as well, like it's just, dude, it's just so captivating, like everything that's tied to it. Um, I think it did justice for the original at the end of the day. And I think that's what they were hoping for. And I, I think it, it does it for I sure. I wish here. we'd been able to do multiplayer. We did so, not. Yeah, we did. We did not because the game has multiplayer locked out to where you have to collect 10,000 coins in story mode or beat story mode or beat story mode before you could do multiplayer. And we collected like 500. Yeah. I'm like, that's ridiculous. Like if, I mean, I can get, if you beat story mode and you go through, but like at that point, why do you want to play again? I mean, maybe the well, multiplayer. Yeah. But well, like, and there's like four other characters that you unlock besides Pocky Rocky. But like what major difference does it make in terms of the story at that point? Right. I if mean, it doesn't, it's a, it's an arcade shooter though. Yeah, I know. It's but high like, score to me. That's the situation where high it's like speed runs, but 10,000 like, come on. Like that's ridiculous. To have I mean, that you many... probably get there by the end. Yeah. By the end of story mode, like to me, it, it defeats the purpose. Like, if what well, how I, many of those little guys did we run into? Because those guys take like a hundred coins every time you roll their thing. Oh, is that what that was? Like yeah. Stealing our damn coins? Okay, that makes sense. So like if we hit those guys up like four or five times, then we were closer to a thousand coins than five hundred. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, they kept stealing our coins. Um but I mean still at the end of the day, I think the point that I'm trying to make here is like I'm entering this game wanting to play with a friend, right? The fact that it has to be locked to where we have to share the controller to beat story mode to me is just absurd. Like it, yeah. it just makes it a lot more fun out the gate to say, cool. And like, what reason do they have as well for like blocking it? Like, well, as a, like why? Like, it's not like it's, there's anything 
Is that a classic thing? Maybe I'm not. Maybe I'm not in the sure. original. I don't know. I'm not aware of that. But it just to me is really odd. Even if it is in the original, right? Yeah. Um, why would you block multiplayer and force? Like I can understand. We're I going think a to lot block. Of games have that. We're going to block like several characters. You can't use them until you get ten thousand coins, right? But multiplayer? Come on. And it's free mode. It's not even like I get where. And maybe this is it because. They have the story mode, and the story mode goes all the way through. And in free mode, I would assume, is you can choose levels to go play in. Mm-hmm. But then why not just do multiplayer for story mode out yeah. the gate, right? And then you unlock at 10,000 coins. You unlock free play to where you could go wherever you want. I mean, the game is Pocky and Rocky, and it is inherently supposed to be multiplayer. There you go. <laughs> so, so, yeah, I, I agree. It, it definitely should be. That was my that my one big qualm about that game when we played it was just fat in particular but uh looking at brass tax so complete in box is 1997 it peaked at 3422 in july of 2022 which is of course when it came out uh it's trending as uh you know it's holding steady right now a loose copy i'll run you in 1994 uh that peaked at 3812 in june of 2022 okay so it came out in june not july uh but it came out in that time period roughly i don't know why it peaked at 3812 for uh, a loose copy somebody overpaid i guess probably well i i think it's because like the month that it came out new nobody would have been selling a complete inbox copy true really or tracking that yeah because that one just kind of goes onto the chart from zero and yeah the loose goes starts and then goes down makes sense uh and that's holding at the same price to it 1994 Digital console twenty nine ninety nine. Digital PC twenty nine ninety nine. Amazon twelve dollars right now if you want to pick it up there. Um, so I would say you know it's definitely worth twelve bucks yeah. for sure. I'd say it's worth twenty. Is it worth twenty? Yes, I think a hundred percent. Is it worth more than that? Um, I don't know. What do you think? Is it worth more than twenty bucks? Like if it was twenty five dollars new, would you have bought this one as thirty bucks? I mean, you know? it is thirty bucks still, in a lot of places. True. Okay, so would you buy it at thirty bucks based on what we played? Mm. not factor out complete in box online factor out you know the, the amazon sale right now if it's say 25 dollars locally do you pick this game up based on yeah, what you've I experienced think 25 bucks would be fine that's what i would think too yeah so i think you do yourself a great service right now picking it up on sale while it's on sale yeah uh, so definitely check out the sales if you're listening to it right now black friday perfect time to do that as well uh, but we could say that this game for sure is deflated. Cool. For sure. I don't know what we're playing next week. We, we never, never know. Do, except for the times when we do. We never know except the times we do. That's correct. Uh, but this has been episode 261 of the Game of Players podcast. My name's John. And I'm Ryan. And thanks for listening. Gobble, gobble. Gobble, gobble, gobble. <laughs>